Welcome to the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast, where we untangle the past, rewrite the present, and reclaim our future. I am your host, Tammy Vincent, and together we will break free from old patterns, heal wounds, and create new narratives. Are you ready to transform the effects of your dysfunctional past into your superpowers? Are you excited to get back in touch with your true authentic self? If so, then hit subscribe and join me weekly on the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast. Here we will learn from experts as well as experienced thrivers how to turn our trials into smiles while living our most authentic and joyful lives. Hello, hello, and welcome back again to episode six. I'm super glad to have you here today. Today, we're actually going to be finishing up the two-part series about coping strategies. And for those of you that are new to the podcast or just didn't get a chance to tune in last week, I want to just kind of recap before we get started and talk about the 10 most common traits or coping mechanisms that children of dysfunction adapt so that they can survive what seems to be an unsurvivable situation. So after I give you the 10, I want you to pause this Take a minute, self-reflect, think about which ones that you developed as a child, kind of, kind of think about if you're still using them now, and then let's really think about whether they're serving you or doing harm to you now, now that you're an adult. So back to the t- top 10. Number one is denial, and that is just denying or minimizing all of the trauma that happens to you because you want to avoid the reality of how bad things are. Second one is avoidance. That is avoiding any situation, people, place, or things that could possibly bring up memories of a bad situation or cause you to relive the trauma or just trigger you in any way possible. The third one is self-isolation. That is withdrawing from social interactions to avoid any kind of harm or rejection. We know that doesn't serve us as an adult because you would literally be a hermit in your house all the time. The next one is people-pleasing. So as a child of dysfunction, you learn to please people in the hopes that everything will be more more peaceful, more calm, less traumatic. It just, you hope that it'll make it a smoother, more gentle life. And of course we know that that does not always happen. Number five is perfectionism. Children learn to strive for perfection in a way to gain control over an uncontrollable environment. So you think if you're perfect, if you're the best, if you do everything right, that things will be good, that the harm won't come to you, that people will validate you and be proud of you instead of harming you. And it doesn't always happen that way. Number six is hypervigilance. And what that is, is being on high alert and always ready for bad things to happen. So it's kind of catastrophizing things that are going to happen or thinking that bad things are going to happen before they ever do. And we know as an adult, that is a very uncomfortable place to be. It's like walking on eggshells your entire life. Number seven is dissociation. What that is, is actually separating your mind and body and your emotions from the actual situation. I can remember as a small child, literally watching reenactments of what was happening to me. And I I literally felt like I was standing outside of my body looking in at what was going on. Of course, then when that happens, you're going to fill in all the gaps with what you think should have happened or did happen or didn't happen because you weren't actually mentally there. You checked out and we do not want to be checking out as an adult. Uh, Number eight is self-harm. As a child, sometimes you will cut, you will starve yourself, you're you're going to... um, 
burn yourself, doing all kinds of things to your own body. And it's a temporary release of the emotional pain, but it obviously is not good in the long run. Number nine is turning to any kind of substance abuse or addiction. And again, this is a temporary fix for a long-term problem. It's not, it just, it numbs for the moment that emotional pain, but it's going to come back and it's going to come back with a vengeance. And number 10 is dealing with things with anger and aggression. So instead of becoming withdrawn and isolated, you actually reach back out. I mean, you react and you react violently and with anger and meanness and aggression, and you're lashing out at everybody. And obviously as an adult, that's not going to work. You're going to end up in jail. You're going to end up getting in trouble. You're going to end up having people not like you or be afraid of you or whatever it is. So those are your 10. So I want you to take a moment, pause this and think about those. Go back, listen to them, write them down, whatever it is, And really, really, really think about how you react and what coping mechanisms you brought from your childhood into your adulthood. I can tell you that I have grappled with a lot of them. I have struggled with the substance abuse. I have struggled with the anger and aggression. I know I'm a big dissociator. I know for a fact that when I remember things that happened to me as a child, that I literally see myself standing outside of my body watching it happen to me. So I wasn't emotionally and physically and mentally, I wasn't there in my reality. I was, I had gone away. So it's not that you're just going to do one or the other. It's going to, that you're going to maybe do a combination of all of them, sometimes using them when it served you. When I was in school, I became a perfectionist. When I was at home, I was isolated. There was just different things that you're going to do and you're gonna do them to survive. You're gonna do them to get through to the next day or the next week or the next year. But as we mentioned, those things that sometimes serve you and protect you and keep you safe as a child, when you grow up, they no longer serve you. So what I wanna talk about today is different things that we can do and replace and replace of those healthier ways that we can deal with all of those coping mechanisms that you've developed. So the first one is denial. And that's just not wanting to admit that it happened or saying it didn't happen as badly as it did. Now, we all know if you don't deal, you can't heal. So in order to fix this, in order to fix some of your problems, and in order to become empowered and confident and and the best version of yourself, you actually have to not deny these things. You have to admit that they happen. You have to give them a name. You have to sit with them. You have to process them and you have to deal with it. Um, You know, there's the saying, you can't heal if you don't deal. You also can't heal if you don't feel. So you have to feel those those emotions. The next one is avoidance. And obviously we would all like to avoid people, places, or things that could possibly trigger us in any way but you, you can't do that. You would be a hermit. You would stay. It's like self-isolation. You'd literally be in your room all day long doing absolutely nothing. So you can't avoid them. So what do you do? You gradually expose yourself to things. You gradually get yourself in with people and places and things, and you turn it into a different perspective. You, you reframe it. You talk, you, you flip the version of what's happening. You walk in there and you rewrite your story. You can't avoid it. So you have to 
enter gradually, enter safely. It is very good at this point when you're starting to do that, when you're starting to introduce you into situations that could possibly trigger, that you have some tools in your toolbox belt. You want to have some grounding exercises you can do, some deep breathing exercises you can do if you get triggered. You want to be with in the company of safe people. You want to feel supported. You want to have friends around you. All of that is very important when you're gradually introducing yourself back into potentially triggering situations. The next one is self-isolation. Now, this kind of goes hand in hand with the last one, because obviously, if you're avoiding things, you're going to isolate yourself and stay in your home and never be around things that could possibly hurt you. Okay, so this one is very important that you do get support of groups, of friends, of a support group, of coaching, whatever it is in order to not self-isolate, in order to step out of the comfort zone and get back into the realm of people and things and places, you need to have a support group. It's also very important at this time that when you step into this and you stop self-isolating and when you start getting out there, that you have boundaries in place to do that. You do not want to quickly expose yourself to all of the triggers and everything else that could have happened to you without having some safe and secure boundaries put in place. The next one is my favorite, my absolute favorite, people-pleasing. When you have learned to be a people-pleaser, you literally will spend your adult life feeling like the whole world walks all over you. I remember you, I I remember when I was about 26 and I started onto my healing journey. I remember wanting to say to people, hi, Tam- hi, I'm Tammy. I'm your doormat. Literally walk all over me because that's what everybody's done my entire life. But that's not what you want to do. You want, This is where boundaries are super, super Im- important. You want to learn to set boundaries. And if you go, we are going to have all kinds of conversations about boundaries in this group just because boundaries are a huge part of becoming your authentic self and living your best life and learning to deal with everything that's thrown at you. So if you want to go hop on over to my Facebook page, we have a whole discussion and a whole workshop there on boundaries. And we'll put the link in the comments below. But um, the people pleasing and the boundaries is super, super important, important. So you want to learn how to assert yourself in a healthy way you need to get rid of the need to constantly please others. Throughout all of this healing, I think one of the biggest themes you're going to see is it's going to be about self-care and self-compassion, self-esteem, self-worth. Do you notice a trend here with the word self? I say that because when you're a people pleaser, you've never cared for yourself. It's all been, it's always, always, always been about everybody else, everybody else, everybody else. And now it's time to start taking care of yourself. So number five is perfectionism. Now we know that there is no such thing as perfectionism. Perfection is a total myth. And it's very hard when you've grown up all of your life trying to people please and to be perfect, to make things right, to ease, ease any kind of harm that could possibly come at you, to stop doing that. You need to learn that it's okay to make mistakes You need to revel in your failures. I mean, failures, guys, is how we grow. When you mess up and you make a mistake, learn from it. You don't beat yourself up. You don't, you know, delve on it for hours and hours and hours. You just learn from it. 
I always used to say that once I started actually thinking that perfectionism was not a thing and people used to say, you got to be willing to fail. And I used to think fail, fail, fail. I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know if I can fail. I failed all my life at, you know, having the right people and doing the right things and failing is tough, but failing is how we grow. I used, uh, I like to use the acronym fail, F-A-I-L. L means flawlessly ascending into life. So if you put that in your back pocket, that's kind of the one that's nice to pull out every once in a while. And it helps a little bit with that perfectionism. But guys, let's be real. We're not all perfect. None of us are perfect. And you shouldn't expect to be. So don't expect yourself to be. Probably one of the best ways I think of to deal with perfectionism is when you do something and you start getting hard on yourself and you start getting angry with yourself, Put yourself in someone else's shoes. You know, pretend you are someone else. Would you hold them to those kind of expectations? Would you hold anybody, your friend, your family, anybody to the expectations that you hold yourself? And if the answer is no, then lower the expectations a little bit. That's what got you here in the first place with this expectation of with the perfectionism. You're, you set your standards way too high. You set them at perfect and you're not going to achieve that. So keep asking yourself over and over and over again, would I expect this from someone I cared about? Would I demand this from someone I cared about? And if the answer is no, change the demand for sure. That's the only way you can combat perfectionism. Okay, the next one is hypervigilance. And that we talked about is just being on constant alert and catastrophizing everything in your mind and assuming that the worst is yet to come. A lot of what helps with hypervigilance is just relaxing, mindfulness, um, breathing techniques where you're just calming your nervous system. Hypervigilance is literally your nervous system on high arousal. And it's a very unhealthy and it's a very unhappy way to live because you're on eggshells. You're literally waiting for the next bombshell to drop on you. And let's face it. 90% of the time it doesn't drop and then you've just wasted that much of your life being on eggshells, feeling uncomfortable, the knot in your stomach and all that other stuff. So, I mean, you can go through mindfulness exercises. We can walk through them. There's so many different modalities that will keep you um, relaxed, keep you calm. Breathing helps, yoga helps, uh, meditation helps journaling and drawing and doodling, all these things help to just distract you from that hyper arousal and to lower your nervous system responses to everything. The next one is dissociation. Now, I suffered a lot with this. Uh, I, I truly believe that it's the reason that if you ask me and my family or my brother and my sister what happened, we have a 100% different versions of the story that happened. Even my ex-husband, when when my kids and I, when my kids were in trouble, again, if I look back to that or I look back to somewhere where I consider a traumatic event in my child's life, I can literally look back at that and say to myself, that's that's not how it happened. When I hear the stories, I know in my mind how it happened. But when I see the picture, it's like I'm watching it from the outside. And when you're doing that, what are you doing? Your mind is filling in all the blanks. Something had to have happened in that time, right? So your mind is making up the story that it needs to hear. It's literally almost like gaslighting yourself. But what you can do with this is instead of detaching from your emotions, when you start to get that feeling, deal with them. 
again, ground them using some grounding techniques that we can give you and stay connected with your thoughts and feelings. Make it a habit when you start getting triggered or you start to feel like your emotions are kind of getting away from you to ground yourself, practice mindfulness, breathe and come back to the present moment. Because if you're in the present moment, mind, body, and spirit, you're going to be acutely aware of exactly what has happened. And you're going to not have to fill in the blanks with whatever you think happened because you're going to be right there for it. Number eight, I luckily and fortunately was fortunate enough not to have experienced too badly in my life um, is the self-harm aspect. Obviously, there is nothing good about self-harm. Nothing absolutely can ever good come of it. It is a very temporary fix for a long-term problem. So yes, if you're cutting or you're starving yourself to death or you're burning yourself, it's a way to deal with the emotional pain, but you, it's not healthy. It's not healthy. It's going to hurt you. It's going to scar you. You're going to feel more guilt, more shame, more anxiety at the end of it when it's all said and done. So it's a temporary fix. So what you want to do is when you feel that urge, when you feel that urge to do something to harm yourself, find another activity, replace it with an activity that is more healthy and more meaningful and more joyous. Uh, You could journal, you could do art therapy, just doodling or drawing. You can go do jumping depths, go for a walk, run, exercise, Anything that you can do to to get rid of some emotional release, go into the forest and just yell and scream. I mean, let it out and do it, but do not do it on your own body because no good will ever come of that. Um, I also suggest you if to you, if you feel like self-harming or you feel that you're really at that point, this is the time where you really need to seek professional help. Um, you owe it to yourself. Nobody is going to be any better off if you are not here to enjoy your days with them. So if you feel like self-harming, if you have suicidal thoughts, anything like that, please, please, please reach out to someone and, and get help and let them walk you through it. The next one is substance abuse. Now, this is where my experience kind of came in. And I do know that substance abuse is a very temporary fix for what we see, think is a never-ending, unfixable solution. So we drink to hide our emotions and to drown our emotions. And we do drugs to just ease the pain and and get rid of some of the pain. Um, It's basically just numbing. That's all it is. That's all it is. And when you really get think about addiction, any addiction is just numbing that pain. So it might not just be substance abuse, but I'm going to just kind of lump them in together and say substance abuse and addiction. Because a lot of times what happens is, let's say you're on a drinking binge for three years, and then all of a sudden you decide, I can't do this anymore. I'm ruining my liver. I'm ruining my children. I'm ruining this. I'm ruining that. Um, What do we do? Typically, we go to another one. If we can stop picking up the alcohol or stop picking up the bottle or stop picking up the syringe, we will move right to another addiction. Um, My own personal story, uh, just to share, is that I was... I drank way too much in high school. I mean, I laugh and say by the time I got to college, I was pretty much done partying. Um, But it was 
honestly, it was, I felt like I was entitled. I felt like, well, you know what? I, my parents are mean. They don't do this. They don't do that. I'm going to do whatever I want. I was very rebellious. I was acting out. I was not being the person that I wanted to be in the end, at the end of the day. So eventually I slowed that down, but then what did I do? I went to something else. I became a workaholic. I worked 18 hours a day. I never stopped working. I was constantly working, 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 working. It engulfed my entire life because when I was working, it was a distraction. I wasn't thinking about the pain. And then it hit a wall, like had to stop, had to stop working, had to do something else to kill my, you know, to spend the time. Didn't want to drink, didn't want to work. So what did I do? started gambling. So that was just one thing after another. At the end of the day, what it was all about was it was it was getting that dopamine hit. It was getting that one thing that distracted me enough and made filled that empty void enough that it kept me occupied. So if you're dealing with a substance abuse or a drug abuse or a sex addiction or a gambling addiction, anything else that is that powerful that it consumes all of your time, all of your thoughts and builds that and and just fills that empty void, I suggest that you get help. Um, there are so many programs and so many ways that you can alleviate addictions and abuses and all of this. You can, you, but you need to have help. You can't, many of these things you cannot do on your own. I really found that the 12-step programs were very, very good um, in supporting recovery of any kind. And there's meetings, there's groups, there's there's support groups for just about anything you can find out there. So I highly suggest you help that if you're in that situation. And then the last one is just anger and aggression. So I was I was lucky in that I usually didn't take out my aggression on other people. I was more of the people pleasing kind of person, but I can definitely see how the anger and aggression has to come out. The the lashing out, the uh, outburst, the yelling, the screaming, the punching, the hitting. Um, I know my brothers were always in trouble in school. They were always doing things to get them in trouble. They were fighting. They were yelling. You know, it was just, it was out of control. But it was, I used to think it was healthy. I used to think, you know, they're they're showing their emotions. They're telling people what, how they feel, but they're hurting people. They're hurting people physically. They're lashing out. They can't possibly be happy. They were feeling guilty after they did it. So they then they'd have to deal with guilt and shame and all those other things. So there are ways that you can deal with the anger and the, the lashing out and their aggression. A lot of it is mindful practices. A lot of it is just being aware. I mean, really, ultimately, all of this is just being aware. When these things come up, it's just, they're coming at you. You know, something happens, you get triggered, you have a reaction. You need to start being aware of how your body is feeling, what you want to do, and then just ask yourself, is it helping me or is it hurting me? So I know a lot of people that have gone to anger management. And honestly, a lot of it was court ordered because they did something dumb. They were mad. They lashed out. They punched someone. They ended up in court and they had to go to anger management classes and they had to... um deal with their aggression in healthy ways. And, and they did a lot of the things that we talk about in here. They told them to journal and they told them to breathe deeply and they told them to, you know, reframe their thoughts and to reframe their anger and to displace their anger to something else and replace it. But what's it all come down to? It all comes down to the fact that we have to be aware of these strategies that we're using. So, 
I like to say just judge them, just really measure each thing, each thing that comes at you. You're going to ask yourself one simple question. Is it hurting me or is it helping me? Is it hurting me or is it helping me? What is your end goal? Think about what your end goal is. Like my end goal is to be peaceful and to jo be joyous and to live in my as my authentic self happily, securely, with boundaries in my own version of my own self, being able to take control of my own life. That's my end goal. So when I get angry and I feel like lashing out at somebody, I have to ask myself, is it going to help me? Is it going to help the situation? Or is it just going to make things worse? Is it going to raise my anxiety and my guilt and my shame? I mean, really, what's it going to do to me? That's what I have to ask myself. And that's really what you should be asking yourself every single time that you come up with a situation where you are having to deal with and having to cope with something. Because let's face it, we all have to cope with things. Things come at us every single day we have to cope with. It's job stresses and life stresses and money stresses and relationship stresses and children's stresses. And I mean, there is just stressors everywhere and we all have to cope, but we can cope one of two ways. We can hope, cope in a healthy way or we can cope in an unhealthy way. And that's what we want to do. We want to get together. We want to talk about all of the ways that we can deal with things and cope in healthy ways. So again, join me in my Facebook group because we talk a lot about coaching, coping strategies, ask questions, chime in, share your stories. I would love to hear what you're all thinking. And until next week, have a great week. Enjoy yourself and cope in a healthy way. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast. If this episode resonated with you or you think someone else could benefit from what you heard, why not share it with someone you care about? Let's heal from our past and take back control of our lives together. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to www.tammyvincent.com for a free chapter of my book, Surviving Alcoholic Parents. While you're there, be sure to catch my invigorating seminar, Awakening Your Authentic Self. Together, we will rewrite our stories and turn trials into triumphant smiles. Until next time, keep embracing your strength, keep being you, and know that you are more than enough. You are way more than enough right here, right now.